Have you ever asked yourself, why are we all so busy? Who of us would dare to admit that when somebody asks us, how are you doing? We respond with, she's busy, eh? It's just busy. And then we seem to confirm one another. If we ask someone, how are you doing? And they respond, busy. We, we say, yeah, 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 life's busy, eh? Oh, I can't believe it's November already. You know, it's uh, just life flies by when, uh, when you're so busy. We seem to be wearing busyness as a badge of honor. Almost a look at me and how busy I am and that makes me important because I'm busy. For some reason, we seem to use the number of emails we get every day or perhaps the number of notifications as a measure by which we measure our busyness or importance. Somebody might say, Yo, I've had 50 emails a day. I'm getting 50 emails a day. It's just too much to keep up with. Somebody else will mock them. What? 50? I get 300 a day. Like it's a competition. I don't know how anything ever got done before emails. Pastor Brian, could you tell me? I don't know. <laughs> but as important as our busyness may make us feel, how many of us would agree that we'd rather quite like to escape the cycle of busyness that we're all in? That we've thought, at least at some stage, that there must be a different way of living life. Somewhere in between the never-ending busyness of life and complete seclusion from the world. Not quite living off the land in the trans sky, slowed down by what we'll call herbal medicine, but not also the cycle of busyness. Jesus seemed to have a different model for life. Now, you may argue that life was far simpler back then when Jesus walked the earth with no email, but Jesus led the most productive, meaningful, impactful, and fruitful life ever lived, and yet he walked and never rushed. There is no record of Jesus rushing in Scripture, no record of him running, no record of him saying, sheesh, life's just busy, hey? No record of him being too busy to address somebody in need. No record of him processing his emails. How did Jesus walk and work? What was his model? And how did Jesus say things like, do not worry, and that worrying adds no benefit to your life? How did Jesus live a full, productive life without the weariness and exhaustion that comes from our busyness? Jesus invites us to be like innocent children or innocent sheep. Children and sheep tend to live carefree, only concerned about what they are doing at that moment in time. Not really worried about where the next meal will come from or where they'll sleep that night or who's paying the bills. It is the parents or the shepherd's role to worry about those things, to provide and to protect they trust in the provision and protection that their parents or shepherd gives them, in the position and promotion from their parents and their shepherd. And so they live joyful and carefree. I'm not yet a parent, but I do have the privilege of having a number of godchildren all under the age of five, one of whom turns five next week. Uh, and I mean, boy, if I'm still telling you that I recently got married, can you imagine what it's going to be like when I have children <laughs> of my own? Oh, what a joy. I'm a little bit broody, but on that, I mean, I must tell you, it was my um, birthday recently, and one of the ladies in our church, I won't mention your name, Sammy, but um, 
one of the ladies on our church, as a gift, gave me a hand-knitted baby outfit, <laughs> which I thought was prophetic. My wife was not as receptive. <clears throat> anyway, what I've seen in my God children, and is true of children I see everywhere, and it's true of what I remember of my childhood, is that children live free and joyful, full, carefree lives, not overcome with worry or overwhelmed with busyness, but trusting in the care of their parents. And children are at their best when they're confident in the presence of their parent. And while this is possible through the hard work of parents um, to, to provide and to, prevent, to protect, Jesus says that if our parents, though they are not perfect, know how to do this, how much more will our Father in heaven, who is perfect, who never sleeps nor slumbers but watches over us, care for us? Jesus is inviting us to trust in God's presence with us, that He will never leave us nor forsake us, that the Lord your God will be with you wherever we go, watching over our coming and our going, both now and forevermore. Jesus is inviting us to live like innocent children, trusting in the goodness and the faithfulness of a loving Father. Jesus is inviting us to live like serene sheep in the confidence of the presence, protection, and provision of our good shepherd. Our busyness appears to be based on our believing or lack thereof. Our busyness is rooted in a confidence in ourselves to provide and to protect and to position and to promote ourselves. Jesus' invitation to a life at rest, not a life of laziness, but a life at rest, working from a posture of rest, is to, to root our confidence, not in ourselves, but in our Father, to position and to provide and to protect and to promote us. Jesus' antidote for the busyness of life is an invitation to rest in the giver of life. Rest and work are not opposites in Scripture. God created the heavens and the earth, and then He rested from His work. But then he, that, that seventh day of creation had no end. The rest had no end. And this was to be God's model for humanity to work the earth with Him from a position of rest with Him. Biblical rest, or Sabbath rest, as we may have heard it, is an invitation to trust in God. Relational trust has always been at the heart of God's Sabbath invitation. When you, humanity chose to do things our own way, rather than trusting in God, we moved away from working from rest to toiling for rest, which we've never found. We do this today. We toil for rest, hoping that on the weekend or at the end of the year on holiday or maybe in retirement, we'll find some rest away from the exhausting busyness of life. Instead, in Jesus, Jesus invites us to come to Him to escape the busyness of life, to rest in Him by trusting in God. We seem to work, uh, sorry, we seem to work for rest while the biblical model is to work from rest. When we work from rest, we thrive. But when we work for rest, we strive. Jesus evidenced this trust and rest in God by His life, free from the hustle and bustle of busyness, productive and full, but from a posture of rest. 
Jesus trusted God for provision, for protection, for position, and for promotion. And so he was able to rest in God fulfilling his promises. One of my favorite examples of how Jesus lived is found in his healing of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was actually en route to a 12-year-old girl on her deathbed, Jairus' daughter, and is almost interrupted when he feels power leaving him. And Jesus stops to address the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was on a mission, but he had enough margin to stop to witness and be part of a miracle, trusting that God would fulfill the mission that he had put before him. And Jesus both healed the woman with the issue of blood, restoring her life, and raised Jairus' daughter, restoring her to life. Jesus' example of trusting God with the outcome of the mission to raise Jairus' daughter, of resting in God for the outcome rather than rushing in our own strength, made margin for a miracle to see the woman with the issue of blood. And I wonder whether in our busyness, in our trusting in ourselves rather than resting in our God, we miss miracles because we have no margin and our mission becomes murky in the rush of life. When we're rushed with the busyness of life, we run the risk of our mission growing murky and missing our miracles because we've got no margin to pause for them. Jesus made space and time for pers personal devotion with God, trusting and resting in the Father. From this posture of rest, Jesus was able to love and serve people, to heal and save the world, trusting in God's goodness and faithfulness. His mission was clear and he had margin for miracles. Biblical rest or Sabbath rest is not a commandment we are bound to. It is a promise we are invited to enjoy. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Bible seems to emphasize the purpose of the Sabbath rather than the specific rules for practicing it. Sabbath rest is an act of regular and intentional trust in God's rule on earth, in His provision, His protect, protection, His positioning of us, and His promotion of us. We are invited to pause and render our hearts in order to truly rest in God's presence. When we practice this purposeful pause, we make room to for God to take up residence in our hearts and in our lives and in our families. When we do this, we participate in the kingdom of God and allow God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Our mission becomes clear and we gain margin for miracles to take place. Jesus came as the ultimate fulfillment of God's Sabbath rest. Jesus said he was Lord of the Sabbath and that the Sabbath was simply a signpost that pointed to a greater destination, that greater destination being Jesus Christ himself, the ultimate destination of God's Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest is not a commandment we are bound to. It is a promise we are invited to enjoy. And Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this Sabbath rest. Biblical rest is an invitation to trust in and partner with God through Jesus. So if you take one thing away from today, let it be this, that a life at rest comes from resting in the giver 
of life. We can end up burdened and broken by busyness, or we can live life in all its fullness in the redemptive and restorative rest of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, those tired from the busyness of life, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, partner with me, and learn from me. Follow me as my disciples, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You can trust him, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Today, I'd like to give us four aspects of biblical rest to, up, to apply to our lives so that we can replace the burden of busyness with the blessedness of a life at rest, resting in the giver of life. And the first type of rest offered to us by Jesus is what I've titled redeeming rest. If I could sing, I would sing, I know my redeemer lives. It's, of course, a song quoting from the book of Job, but I will leave Vince to sing in his sermon, for it is my singing that requires redeeming. <laughs> if you ever see my hands raised in worship, but maybe one hand held by my wife, you might think that's cute, but that's actually just my wife squeezing me to say, you're singing too loudly. I'd like to hear Vincent <laughs> and not you. But the first type of rest Jesus offers us is a rest that redeems us from our slavery to sin and sets us free to rest with an assurance of our salvation, an eternal rest as sons and daughters of the living God. When God's people were oppressed in slavery in Egypt, we read of God's conversation with Moses in Exodus chapter 3, where God tells Moses that he has seen the misery of his people in Egypt, that he has heard their cries for help, and out of concern for their suffering, God is moved to come and rescue and redeem his children and bring them to a new land, a land of rest, a redeeming rest. And this, of course, was a picture of what was to come, that God saw the misery of all his children in a form of slavery and oppression to sin throughout the world, that he heard their cries for a savior and a redeemer, and that out of concern for our suffering, God was moved to come and rescue and redeem us from our slavery, this time through a new and better Moses, Jesus Christ himself, and to bring us to rest in a new land, an eternal rest with God in heaven, and beginning that rest by bringing heaven to earth now through Jesus. As scripture says, he has rescued us out of the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is our redeeming rest. After God had fulfilled his promise to Moses of bringing the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, God said to Moses uh, and, and to the people of Israel that you have seen for yourselves what I did to Egypt and the wording he uses is how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That's in Exodus 19. There is an interesting reference there to God's redemption being likened to him carrying us on eagle's wings and bringing us to rest with him that I'd like to look at. Another famous reference of God carrying us on eagle's wings is found in Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait or hope or trust 
or rest in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those whom the Lord has redeemed, who have come to rest in Him, not only have an eternal resting place carried by God on eagles' wings, but also have their strength renewed on earth for the mission that lies ahead of them. The starting point for a life at rest comes from resting in the giver of life for our redemption, our eternal rest. Then having that secured, being able to rest in Jesus as our eternal security, renews our strength for the journey that God has marked out for us. When we come to a redeeming rest in Jesus, then we find that as we run the race of faith marked out for us, we do so with patience and perseverance, not growing weary. When we walk the narrow road of following Jesus, we do so with endurance and excitement, not growing faint. A life at rest comes from resting in the giver of life. Our invitation is to come to Jesus as our redeeming rest. The second type of rest offered to us by Jesus to replace the burden of busyness with the blessedness of rest in God is a refueling rest. Sometimes life is hard and tiring. And even with Jesus as our eternal rest, even when we are working to serve God, we feel weary and burdened on the journey of life. Jesus has an invitation to come to him to rest and to refuel. Elijah was a great prophet of God, performing many miraculous signs and wonders. And yet even he was overcome with the burdens and the weariness of life and was in need of some refueling rest for the journey ahead. We pick up the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. And for context, he has just shown the power of God by calling down fire from heaven to prove who the one true God is. He has killed 450 prophets of Baal. He has prayed for three and a half years that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. And then he prayed that it would rain, and it did rain. We should get Elijah to the Eastern Cape. So Elijah is a pretty big deal. He is one of the prophets alongside Moses, who joined Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So this guy is a man of immense faith. And yet, we read the following immediately after all these great signs. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Same Elijah with all the miracles. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Sometimes, like Elijah, even when we are performing great exploits in the name of the Lord, we can forget that it is God at work through us 
and in our own strength become tired and overwhelmed and burdened by life. And sometimes when we don't stop and rest in God, we are forced to stop and recover in God. God, oh wow, okay, thank you. I'll have a sip of water, thank you. God still had a purpose and a journey and a mission for Elijah. He just needed Elijah to come rest in him, to refuel for the journey. And perhaps today you feel like Elijah, just wanting to run away, like life is all a bit too much for you, or like the enemy is out to get you, and that you don't have the energy for the road ahead. Your invitation is to come to the refueling rest of Jesus Christ, a God who sees you, who cares for you, and who provides for you to renew your strength for the journey that God still has in store for you. Sometimes what we need to refuel is practical, physical food and actual sleep. My wife will tell you that I can get hangry. Sometimes we just need to have something to eat, have a sleep, and we will be fresh. That is vitally important, but even more important is to trust in the one who provides our daily bread, the true bread and water of life, Jesus Christ, and who brings our bodies to rest, that he is the one refueling us. We do have a journey ahead of us, a purpose to pursue and a mission to accomplish. Our invitation is to come to rest in Jesus, to find a refueling rest for the journey that lies ahead. The third type of rest offered to us by Jesus to replace the burden of busyness with the blessedness of rest is a redirecting rest. Oftentimes, in the busyness of life, we may feel stuck in a cycle and a bit directionless, always busy but going nowhere, running hard but not making any progress. How is it Monday again, we say? How is it a new month? Again, we say, always busy, but never going anywhere. And the beat of the drum of life just keeps going at a relentless pace that doesn't seem to allow us to catch our breath. And the clutter and the chaos of the noise of life doesn't allow us to just take a moment to think clearly. Our invitation is to slow down, to quieten our souls in order to hear the gentle whisper of God away from the noise of life, to make space and to make room to hear from heaven in order to redirect our purpose, to come rest in Jesus. The story of Elijah goes on after his journey. After his journey sorry. In 1 Kings 19 verse 11, it says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the noise of the busyness of life. We're trying to hear from heaven in the winds and the earthquake and the fire, but God is in the gentle whisper and our lives are too noisy to hear. We're caught up in a kingdom of noise and we're complaining that we can't hear or see from the kingdom of heaven. Elijah's story teaches us that we need to come to Jesus to make space and room to quieten our hearts and settle our souls so we can hear the gentle whisper from heaven. 
if we're feeling a bit directionless in our lives, like we're going around in circles and we're wondering what should happen next, we ought to come to a place of rest in order to hear clearly. Most of the calls and visions that God gave to people in Scripture were received when people were at rest. Adam received Eve when God brought Adam to rest. God confirmed his covenant with Abraham when he brought Abraham to rest. God revealed his ladder from heaven to Jacob when he brought Ad Jacob to rest. God called Moses while tending the flock away from the hustle and the bustle of the busyness of life. God called Samuel while he was at rest. God spoke to Elijah while he was at rest. God stopped Saul right in his tracks and brought him to rest to redirect his life as Paul. Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but, be to, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we're rushed, we're unable to think, see, and hear clearly. But when we're rested, we're able to test and approve what God's will is. So if we're looking for direction, we should come to find a redirecting rest in Jesus. And finally, the fourth type of rest offered to us by Jesus is what I've titled a refreshing rest. I said earlier that rest and work are not opposites in Scripture. In fact, in the beginning, humanity, Adam and Eve, were placed in a position of rest and told to work. And Jesus' invitation to come to him, if we are weary and burdened to find rest, is followed by him saying, take my yoke upon you, which is to partner together at work. Biblical rest as is an invitation to partner with God through Jesus. Scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes of the futility of going at things alone, of striving and toiling with clenched fists, no time for those around us and no time for God. And, he sa and Scripture says this is meaningless, like chasing after the wind. Instead, the wisdom of Scripture invites us to partner with God and with others, telling us that two are better than one for they have a good return on their labor. And that it is better to have one handful with rest in God than to have two clenched fists with toil. Working with God from rest in partnership with Jesus is the most refreshing form of rest we can find. As Christ carries our burdens to give us rest, so we partner with Christ to carry the burdens of others so that they may find rest. And in so doing, we find that our rest is refreshed. As Proverbs says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. If we're looking for refreshing, we should partner with Jesus to find refreshing rest. Today, in the busyness and weariness of life, may we accept the invitation of Jesus. May his words echo to us again. Are you tired and worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. An invitation to rest with the giver of life. Life and life in all its fullness. An abundant and fruitful life. Living out the best versions of who we were created to be are all produced from resting in the giver of life. That looks like trust in and partnership with 
Jesus. Life currently has a pace that leads to burnout, but there is another way. The giver of life has invited us to a life at rest. Love has a pace, and it is slower than you and I, and Jesus is the pace of love. Our invitation is to trust God with the mission he has placed us on and to create margin in our lives so we can see God's miraculous work at, at work around us. We can see and think more clearly at rest, which comes from resting in the giver of life. We don't want our mission to grow murky and we don't want to miss miracles because there is no margin. So as we draw to a close, I'd like to take an opportunity to pray for us, for those of us here in the building, those watching online, those who may listen later than live on any platform, to allow for an opportunity to acknowledge for those who have, feel like they've come to the end of themselves, tired, weary, and worn out, that you would accept the invitation to come to Jesus, the giver of life, and find life-giving rest. Today is an invitation to take a step to cross the line of faith, to put your trust in Jesus, believing that in Him and through Him, you have a redeeming rest both now and forevermore. And perhaps today, you feel like Elijah, tired, just wanting to run away, like life is all a bit too much for you. Your invitation is to come to the refueling rest that is in Jesus, a God who sees you and cares for you, and provides for you to refuel you for the journey that lies ahead. There's also an opportunity for those of us who feel stuck and directionless to slow down, to take a pause, and to hear from heaven so we can get direction for what God still has in store for us. And finally, for those of us who are committed, who are full of direction and energy, just feeling a bit worn out from life and even from serving God, to remember that when we partner with Jesus in serving others, we find that our, we ourselves are refreshed as we share his life-giving refreshment with others. Today, may we live a life at rest by resting in the giver of life. Will you please stand with me if you're able to as we close in, in a word of prayer. Our ministry team are coming forward to make themselves available for prayer. For anybody who would like personal prayer, for those online, you can fill out an online prayer request form and one of our pastoral team will be in touch with you. A reminder to any guests of our guest lounge at entrance three, and then there is communion up front after the service as well. Shall we take a moment to pray? To pray rather. Father, we are grateful that you invite us to come to you and rest in you through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have redeemed us both now and forevermore through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we have a, an eternal rest in you. Thank you that you refuel us for the journey that you have marked out for us, the race of faith that you have set before us. Father, if we are feeling directionless, would we come to you, hear from you, and redirect us so that the steps of the righteous would be ordered by the Lord? And would we, in partnering with you, serve others and find that in refreshing others, we ourselves are refreshed. Thank you for your model, Jesus. May we follow you. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for church this morning, everybody.